Hey, I'm Lisa, and welcome to In Pursuit. This episode is a part of the What is Global Health series. Now, let me give you some background. I'm going into my third year as a global health major, and when I tell people that, their response is usually, what is global health? I don't want to define it right now and give away too much too soon, but the truth is, global health is not only everywhere, it looks different for everyone. Its interdisciplinary nature makes it so that there is no single way to work towards achieving global health. This series will feature an array of guests who are working towards global health in many different arenas. So, that being said, I hope you enjoy the series and recognize the global health all around you. I'm so excited for today's episode because I got to sit down with Hethel Bauman, who is not only a fellow podcast host, but a global health advocate. So, she will get into this, but she has her own podcast and she's pursuing global health beyond her daily job and She's just finding ways to integrate it in all aspects of her life, and I think that her journey is so special, and I think it really speaks to what global health is, because in most times I find that people kind of stumble upon the field and the profession or the study later in life than they may have anticipated, and so it's definitely a good experience to sort of speak to what global health looks like and how you can integrate it in your life as well. And I love this conversation that we had. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Do you want to start off by introducing yourself? Yeah. So my name is Hethel Bauman. I go by being an empathic engineer. I'm a social impact you know, entrepreneur. And I... I'm the host of a Global Health Pursuit podcast. So going into the Global Health Pursuit podcast, I think it's it's just a it's an awesome platform that I've created in terms of sharing inspirational stories by global health leaders and advocates. So every week we share a different nonprofit or a different initiative that somebody's really passionate about and what their impact has been on the world. So it's just been an amazing journey. You know, I started in May. I'm sure we'll talk, we'll talk about this throughout the podcast. Empathic engineer, social impact entrepreneur, host of the Global Health Pursuit podcast. That's like what I introduce myself as. It's great. Mm-hmm. Should we start off by explaining what you do, like your nine to five and what you do day to day? Yeah. So day to day, I am an engineer. I studied biomedical engineering in college and I currently work at Johnson and Johnson. I'm in the trauma division as an R and D engineer. And what we do is we design, develop, manufacture hardware for patients who have broken bones in layman's terms. It's really when you break a bone, you go see the surgeon and they use these types of materials, instruments, and implants to fix you up, basically. Mm-hmm. What's exciting, though, is in a month, I'm moving into sales. So I'll be using my relationship building skills and my connection skills to really, you know, help patients who have conditions like 
cardiac arrhythmias, tachycardias, and give them a better quality of life. And so it's just such an awesome opportunity that happened. And it, it was almost like I manifested it, right? It was literally one day where I, I applied and then the next day the hiring guy was like, I want you on my team. And I was like, whoa, this never happens. You have to do like a three month interview process and then you're waiting and twiddling your thumbs for like three weeks and you're like, what is going on? They definitely rejected me. But this time it was like literally under a week where I got this opportunity and I was like, it was meant for me. Mm -hmm. Growing up, did you always want to be an engineer? I think growing, (laughs) that's a great question. (laughs) I don't think I really had a say growing up in what I wanted to be. I have a family full of doctors and I I always thought, okay, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of my cousins and kind of do the same thing, right? So I had a couple cousins who I really looked up to. One of them was a OBGYN and I knew that I wanted to work with kids. And so I always thought that that was something that I was going to do, right? I was going to be a doctor like everyone else in my family. If there was to be a doctor that I was going to be, I would probably be an OBGYN or a pediatrician, right? I'd be working with kids because I love them. And so what happened was I kind of applied to schools that I knew were good schools within the pre-med track type thing. I, I kind of knew that the whole medical school route wasn't going to happen. You know, when you get those like small vibes, like you just feel it in your gut that that's not going to happen. I was always dismissing that feeling, right? I was kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, it's, that's just my feeling of not being good enough or whatever, you know, I'm, I'll be able to do it. And so What I did was, it was kind of smart what I did. So I I applied to a bunch of schools. I remember I got into Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. They're up in Troy, New York, up by Albany. And they're a great engineering school. And so I thought, okay, they're a great engineering school. Mine as well. Let me try to just do biomedical engineering because I want to be in the healthcare field. That was already set. Like I knew I was going to do something healthcare related, right? But let me do biomedical engineering and apply to med school later on. And I just found myself struggling with a lot of classes, both engineering and medical related, like medical school related. And I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) So I just said, okay, um, I don't know if medical school is going to work out. So I kind of, I kind of put all my eggs in the basket of being an engineer. Mm -hmm. I remember having a crisis though. I was like, do I want to be an engineer or should I switch to doing physical therapy or occupational therapy or Uh, like, or nursing or something like that. I don't know. And I remember I was a whole semester. I was literally looking up schools, thinking about transferring. Like, I just did not know what was going on with my life. I realized that I was indeed good at the engineering side of things. I remember I took two internships and I got such great feedback from from my supervisors. And so after that, I was like, okay, 
let's just do this. Let's just do the engineering thing because I'm pretty good at it. That's kind of how it all happened. Like I, I'm an engineer because I thought I was going to go to med school, but then I took the, the smart way out and did engineering in college because I knew that if I did uh, just like a hard science, I wasn't sure what job opportunities there were outside of that, right? If I were to do chemistry or bio or physics, where would I go after college? I remember there was always this like talk about, you know, if you did a hard science, then it'd be really hard to get a job. It was for people who wanted to get their PhD mm-hmm. and stay in academia. And I knew I did not want to do that. <laughs> so I, I just took the engineering route and then I, you know, I got my first full-time job and kind of the rest was history. And then I continued on that. I did my master's in engineering. So <laughs> it's like, it was just like a lot of planning and like just, thinking practically and not really thinking about what do I actually want to do, you know? And I feel as if that's what I'm doing now with my podcast and the beginnings of whatever business this is going to come out of. Right. So yeah, that was never like engineering was not like a Oh yeah, I used to tinker with my toys when I was younger and my parents always knew I was going to be an engineer. Like that was just (laughs) never the case. (laughs) Right. And I kind of have a two-part question here, but do you think that that was somewhat related to your culture and just your upbringing and where your parents came from? And then would you have discovered biomedical engineering had it not been for that sort of medical influence in your life? You know, it's, that's an interesting question because with my upbringing, my parents came from India. So they're all about, well, first of all, so my, my dad's family, they weren't very well off when he was growing up. Right. So he would always tell me stories about how, when they were younger, they would live in like a one or two bedroom of uh, like a one room or two room house in Bombay and how at night they would sleep outside on the, on the pave or not the pavement, but like on the uh, sidewalk because it would be cooler to sit out, sleep out there instead of inside because it's really hot. It was like the humble beginnings that my dad had. Right. And I think that my grandparents off on my dad's side, they always, always, always believed in the power of education, right? And, you know, they said, you know, you're going to go to school and you're going to make a name for yourself because we struggled. It was hard for them. And I thought that was the best thing that could ever happen. My dad was the second youngest of eight siblings. And so the oldest sibling, um, and we call him my mota daddy, which is in uh, translation, it's big, like big brother or big dad, you know, because he's like my big dad. And so he was always a ruler of the family. He's like the leader of the whole family. And he was the one that first came to the U.S. I remember my dad actually, my 
like my dad told me that he didn't want to come to the U.S. because he actually, you know, he studied, he did a lot of really good work in India and he studied to be a dentist and he had a really good job there. And so he said, why should I come to the States? Like I have a really great job here or whatever. And then what happened was like, oh, everyone left. So now I have to go to the States. So yeah, that's, so that's an interesting point you make because I think a lot of my older family members, they do think that if you go into the field of science, specifically if you do medicine, like you, you get a lot of money, you get a lot of respect, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of changed now, but that was always the ideal of my parents and my older family members. I would say, if you're going to go get to be a doctor, that is the, that is the way to secure your family for a good life in the future. That's kind of what happened with all of, a lot of my cousins. We have like a few outlier cousins and I have a huge family, but <laughs> I think looking up to them and, you know, when you're little, you, you look up to your parents, you look up to your cousins. I was like the youngest ish on, like I was like the second youngest on my, on my dad's side. And then I was the oldest on my mom's side. And when I would look up to all of my cousins on my dad's side, it was like, you know, everyone was doing really well in school and they all got into medical school and they're all doing some type of medicine. And that's just something that I thought, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if it were not for them and say, I, I, it's so funny you bring this up because I, sometimes I talk to, talk to people about how, if I weren't in the family that I was in right now, or if I wasn't coerced into going into a science or a medical type field, I think what I would do is not engineering, but really public health. Like, I think that is something that I would, if the universe, like if the, if we were in an alternate universe, right, I would be working, I would do a public health degree as a bachelor's or something in health sciences, and then go and do like a master's in public health. And I don't know, work for the CDC or something. But like, it's definitely engineering came out of a coercive desire to go into medicine, which I kind of knew in my soul that that wasn't going to happen. And so now I'm kind of changing that narrative, right? And moving back into that soul journey life that I, I, I'm intended to take, right? But it's it's not like everything that's built up to this point, it's not like I haven't learned anything from that because being an engineer really helps you with a critical mindset, you know, looking at things and questioning them and really being an engineer helps you really solve problems. And so I think that I'm really grateful to have gotten to this point and have studied what I've studied, 2020 has been a transformative year for me, completely, you know, with the whole COVID thing, like we're all sitting at home. A lot of us are like, what am I doing with my life? Is this like the right thing? Because we have so much more time to think, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that 
I have really embraced that fact and, you know, I have changed my morning routine to include gratitude. I just feel a shift in my soul because I know that, you know, 2020 is when I started my podcast. It's going to be the year that I started my business. I'm gonna, it's going to be, it's a, it's a year of so many firsts and so many positive things when so many people are saying that complete opposite, like 2020 is canceled, you know, 2020 mm -hmm. is like the worst year ever. When it, when you look at it in a positive light, it's like, what, what have you asked yourself? You know, like what, what are the questions that are coming up within you about your career, about your relationships, about your connection? Like, it's everything, you know, you're second guessing and questioning everything about your life and what you're doing. And I think it's just 2021 is going to be the year of like emerging like empires. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Like you're going to see, it's like, it's like an incubation period in a sense right now. <laughs> so I just think it's, it's so cool. I think I answered both of your questions. Yeah, I did. And I like the idea that 2021, you're just going to see up and coming people who have been cultivating their projects and passions throughout 2020, because I very much so true, I think. Mm -hmm. But what was sort of a big question that you asked yourself and shifted how you do something or maybe something that you do differently? You talked about doing um, gratitudes in the morning. Like, what else have you changed about your life? The beginning of 2020 was, you know, I started questioning what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to work in global health, but I didn't know what. And I started investing in myself, right? I started taking coaching courses and consulting courses. I went into a course to deepen my intuition. And that's been life-changing for me because I, I now know how to listen to myself more I know how I know what the difference between intuition and ego is you know and really in, in manifestation you know mm -hmm. how to manifest your dreams is huge and a big part of that is is shedding gratitude for what you have now mm -hmm. as well as what you want to have in the future so for example I, in the mornings, I say, I'm so grateful for all of the listeners that I have and my constantly growing audience, consistently and constantly growing audience. And I'm so grateful for all of the sponsorships and all of the money that is flowing. Money flows into my business effortlessly and like fluid, like running down a stream. You know, you're shedding that gratitude for what you don't have currently, but what you really want your perfect life to be yeah. and it is amazing what comes out of it like like I said I manifested this new job and literally I would write in my journal I'm so excited and um, um, I'm grateful for all of the new opportunities that are coming my way and then boom like this job came out yeah and so it's just been a complete shift because now I, I understand the meaning behind like speaking, speak it into existence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. when you speak something and it's negative and it's, you know, like, oh, I'm never going to get a job or whatever. 
then the universe hears you and they're like, like the universe, God, source, whatever you believe in, right? They hear you and they're like, you're not ready for the job. You haven't opened yourself to receiving this new job. Mm-hmm. So once you become open to that, then we'll give it to you because then we'll know that you're ready for it. Right. And so now I just, you know, obviously I'm not like positive perky all the time. It's just, I know the difference between being positive and being optimistic. I listened to a a video by Simon Sinek. So he is an entrepreneur. He, he does a lot of stuff around like optimism and just, he has a TED talk around why businesses succeed. He has a book also called Start with the Why. And so it's all about like building a business around a why. In this video, he talks about the difference between being positive and optimistic. Being positive is really pretending like you have blinders on, for example, Black Lives Matter movement, right? If you're optimist or if you're positive, you are like, everything's great. I don't see any color. I'm like, you know, everything, everybody is treated equally. And I think everyone's like, everything is happy, like happy, happy, happy. Right. But you're like putting on these blinders because you're not, you, you refuse to see all of the negative stuff that is happening in the world. But being optimistic is different in a sense where you acknowledge that there are things happening in the world, but then you also have that feeling in your soul that, Hey, we can make change and we can do better. We can, Mm -hmm. we can get to be a better world. Right. So there's a huge difference in that sense. Right. And so I try to be more optimistic in, in my relationships, in my business. You know, I know that okay, right now I'm here, but I know that I have the potential to be at the next level. And I think it's so huge. Like last year to this year, the things that I would say to myself, like to myself and to others, because it's literally every single thing that comes out of your mouth is so important, right? You don't have to be bubbly and joyful and bouncing off the walls all the time. You just have to be in a sense, thankful and grateful. For example, when I, you know, when I have a down day, I understand I have a down day today. I'm not feeling so well right now. I'm going to take some time to rest up, but I know that tomorrow will be better, Mm -hmm. you know, or I'll, I'm going to eat that ice cream later on. That'll make me better, you know, or something. So huge shift, huge shift spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And wow, like I really, I feel as if like, if I asked myself last year that I, or if I told myself last year that I would be doing what I'm doing right now and having the mindset that I have right now, I would be like, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious right now? That's impossible. <laughs> like, So it's truly like just being the magician of your life that you can manifest things just by snapping your fingers and writing it down and having setting that intention that hey whatever i write down right now i intend to manifest into my dream life and of course that stuff can change you know but it's all about knowing and following your intuition to your 
like following the intuition within your soul journey. So it's, you know, just by feeling that this is the right way to go. So like even with people, right? Like when I met you, Lisa, like when you emailed me, I, I, I immediately felt like, oh, wow, this girl has great energy. I know that she'll be awesome. But then with other people who email you, you immediately know, you're like, hmm, I don't know about that. Or the, you get a, a weird vibe. And so following your intuition is really what will help you manifest what you want in your life. And I think that's what I'm doing right now. And it's amazing. It's awesome. It sounds like you've had a, quite the transformative experience. Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. Yeah. I, yeah. It's crazy. I love that. And I love how you say following your intuition is how you're going to manifest because you know from the beginning whether something is good for you. And sometimes you, you kind of disregard that feeling. And then later on down the line, you're like, I should have followed it. I should have. Exactly. It applies to everything. Relationships, jobs, opportunities, yeah. school. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. I, I remember having anxiety attacks when I would have to come back from a break from school. Like, I just... I I was like, oh, I have to go back. I have to study. Like, I have to keep studying this engineering stuff. Like, I don't want to take these classes. I, I remember driving, and I um there would be there would be a point where I'm almost to um, RPI, and I would see the buildings, and I would start having that like an- anxious anxiety feeling. And it's like, why didn't I like listen to myself earlier? But it's it's all of that ego and that pressure like it's so hard sometimes it's like you get those those pressures from outside and then you're internally saying no you have to do this there's no way out you know so yeah that's a huge it's a huge point I would like to shift gears here a little bit and talk about sort of your passions within global health and how that sort of started and then of course with your podcast and your mission and your vision for yourself in global health in the future? Yeah, global health passions started when I decided to take a service trip to India, literally on a whim. That was, I think that was 2015, maybe earlier than that. But I decided to travel to India by myself, which is like, my parents had a heart attack doing that, letting me go by myself to India. Because when you think of India, it's like a low-income country, right? It's not the safest, right? Mm-hmm. You ought to be smart. But I, I knew I wanted to do a service trip. And I, was, I knew I wanted to go to India because that was where my family's from. And so I went and I had... An amazing experience. I learned a lot about that organization. I won't mention the name just because I don't recommend it. What I did in India was I, I helped kids learn math and English for, I was there for like three weeks, I think. Yeah. I, and I stayed with a host family. 
And I had an amazing time, like getting to know the kids and getting to know my host family. And I even met up with uh, a friend of mine that I met in Amsterdam when I went traveling. And so it was a lot of fun. But the whole global health passion, I think, came out of really witnessing slum life and how people live like firsthand people know that there's poor people in the world like everyone knows that right but when you're in the thick of it it makes you just think i'm gonna quote the founder of humanity and hope united riley fuller he says why is it that we won the birth lottery and they did it you know That was the question that I asked myself. And when I would speak to these kids, I I would ask them, I said, hey, you know, study hard and then you can visit me in the US. You know, you can take a plane. Like I would I would point up to the sky when a plane would go by. And they would literally they would know and they wouldn't know. They'd be like, Oh, what is that? What does that even do? I'd be like, Well, I came from across the ocean to come and visit you I would love if you come visit me when you're older and you're successful and a lot of them are like no I'm probably just going to do what my dad did you know and so it kind of opens your eyes up in terms of the mentality that these kids have you know they they have hopes, dreams, aspirations, but at the same time, it's almost like they box themselves up mm-hmm. and they say, yeah, I'm probably going to be a rickshaw driver like my dad. I'd love to be an astronaut, but that's probably not going to happen. It's all of that, all of that type of stuff. I started asking myself, how is it, how do I help bring sustainable health and education to people like like these you know and I just I started questioning a lot of things I think that trip really started the gears in my head because I just I started to know I want to come back I know that this is the type of work that I want to do I just don't know how you know how am I going to do this and then I got involved with another organization called Humanity and Hope United. And they work in Honduras. And I decided to go on a couple of service trips with them. And their mission is to bring sustainable change to these villages. And it was completely aligned with my my vision and my passions. And I just remember that each time that I'd go... I'd come back and I would feel so drained and depleted, not just because I knew, well, most of it was because I knew that I was just washing this woman's feet, giving her a pedicure in this village, serving her. And then tomorrow I'm going to be in a cube and um, designing some type of implant. There's nothing that combines the two, right? It's like I'm in a community center giving a pedicure and like serving this these women because they literally never get pampered or never get these types of 
treatment right because they're they work so hard every single day so we thought one day i was like why don't we do a little spa day this is great and so we did that i remember i was at the pedicure station and it was like all day all day in the community center and the day went by so fast it was the last day we were there and i remember looking up and everybody was like okay we got to get back on the bus i was like what the hell like where did the time go you know so we get back on the bus and for me the bus ride back to the hotel is always time for me to reflect on what i'm doing and and how i felt that day and it's like bringing back emotions because i remember like i i got on the plane and we all said our goodbyes and i would just like cry my eyes out because i didn't want to leave I just wish that there was a way for me to connect my passions and serve people without diminishing my engineering training and education. You know what I'm saying? I had a lot of just like a it was just like a crisis. Like I just remember on the tr- on the plane ride back home, I would just cry my eyes out, and I was so upset. I was like, now I have to go back into a cube and sit in front of the computer while these women have to like work day in and day out. And I want to help them. You know, I just wanted to help them. And so with that, I remember I came back and I was like, you know what? I have to do something about this in, in, in my way. And so that's when I start. that's literally when I start, started Global Health Pursuit. I started Global Health Pursuit last year around the time frame of November and it started out as a blog and I was writing my experiences from when I was in Honduras and India and stuff like that was when I started my Instagram that was when I started to do things around that um, around that passion and then what happened was I started to think about what I could do for other organizations because I knew that there were Nonprofits all over all over the place, but they're all siloed in their own little corner of the world, right? Some people, some nonprofits serve small communities in Zimbabwe, and then there's another nonprofit that serves some communities in Honduras. How can we connect everyone together and network and talk about how we're doing the same thing, but in different ways, mm-hmm. you know? And so I what I started to do is I started to reach out to other nonprofits that I would just find on Instagram. I reached out to LaPointe Foundation and the director of communications, I believe that's her title. Her name is Callie Himsel, amazing person. She, she was so happy to speak with me and I said, okay, can we set up a one hour Zoom call? And I decided to record it because I don't know. I was like, let's record this. And it would help me with like, if I were to write a blog post about this afterwards, right? right? right. And so I decided to record it. We had an awesome conversation. We learned about the foundation that works in Haiti and all about what she's been doing and how she even, you know, got to where she was. I was like, this is awesome. And I never ended up writing that blog post, but that recording, it sat in my computer for literally months and months. And I went through a coaching course to see, I remember I I went through a coaching course because I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, maybe I want to do consulting for 
nonprofits. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And I, I remember it was like towards the end of that coaching course. And one of the girls that I had a call with, we just kind of talked about it. And it just came to me like an epiphany where I was like, why not just do a podcast? And now it's episode one of my podcast. You know, I, I said, maybe, maybe this will turn into a podcast. I love to talk to people. I love connecting with people who are in the same mindset that I am and love to serve and just want to improve world health. And I was like, why not just, why not just do a podcast? It would be perfect. And so that was when I like really sat down and I was like, okay, what is going to be the, you know, the summary of the podcast? What is it going to look like? What, what's, what's the cover art going to look like? What is all of it? I just started thinking about all of that stuff. And then, then I edited Callie's podcast and Callie's podcast to this day has 150 downloads. And I'm like, that was the right decision. I think it's because it shows that first episode of my podcast really shows the passion that I have and the vision that I had for, you know, doing something like this. Like it was, it was a conversation where I didn't even know it was going to be a podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just spoke freely. She spoke freely. And that's actually like how I love my podcast to go. I love it when we can just talk and have a conversation and just, and and make it feel like the person listening is literally just like hanging out with us too and having this conversation with, with us as well. I don't want it to feel formal. I don't want it to feel as if there are real structured questions where I have to speak ABC and like, I just, you know, I want it to feel as if you can laugh, you know, and have fun and tell a joke or something on the podcast when it's just, that's just, I feel like it's my personality to, to, to do that. You know, I don't need to have the founder and CEO on every single podcast. It can be a board member. It can be a volunteer. It can be an intern. Everyone that is on my podcast is either a leader in the space or an advocate, regardless of their position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's awesome. And it's been three or four months since I launched and I've been getting such great feedback and everyone are, they, they are just so inspired by the things that people say and they feel as if it's just another friend, you know, or talking to who just so happens to be the marketing manager of medical bridges. And that's, yeah, that episode is coming out tomorrow, but, <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I think that I get a lot of energy out of it and, I mean, the last part of your question was, you know, where do I see this um, in the future? What's my vision for it? I think I would continue to have this podcast for the years to come, but I'd love to have a real tangible community, maybe like an online community where people come together and they share best practices. They ask questions. Like one of the questions that somebody asked me yesterday when they were just inquiring about my podcast was, what is the hardest thing that people have had to deal with in terms of fundraising? Mm. That's a question that I would, that I would ask 
within that group and be like, hey, this is a question that came up. What do you guys think? Because you guys are leaders in your space. What what challenges and up up and you know problems that you, are you guys running into, right? In terms of this specific question. So I would love to have an online community where people come together they have a question they come and talk to each other and it's also a way for people to make a collaboration make a connection and work with each other over the past three months i've learned about more nonprofits than i've learned about in the last year and it's it's interesting because i just know that that's just going to continue and i know that the nonprofits that for example yesterday i was talking to the founder of JV Dondola, and they um, focus on bringing clean water to countries all around the world. And I told her about another nonprofit that I didn't interview, and I, I want to interview them in the future, but they're called Design Outreach. And they actually came out of J&J, like there was an engineer within J&J who was really passionate about this and actually engineered a, a, a water pump that would be used um, for people within Africa. It's like a completely innovative design where it won't break down the way that normal water prints do. But I, I told her about that and she was like, oh my God, no, I didn't know about it. So it's like, I want my, my community to be a community where you can search the keyword. You can say water, health, poverty, whatever. And all of the nonprofits that are working to like serve those things come up. All of the point people, their emails and all of that come up and it can be like, oh, this is really cool. Let me work with these guys. That's something that I think would be so neat. And then further down the road, I would love to have like a conference where all of the people who have been featured on my podcast and other people as well too can come to this conference and we can have speakers about what they've been doing in the past couple of years and what impact they've made and what challenges they've overcome. And, and then it could be like a two part thing where the second part is we have two or three problems and we have breakout rooms and we brainstorm around how to solve those problems. Mm-hmm. It could be like a hackathon. Let's do it. Like, I think that would just be so awesome. I had that idea yesterday. (laughs) It's just so amazing because I feel like my imagination just kind of runs wild when I think about the possibilities. Just starting a conversation with somebody, recording it and putting it up for people to listen to. The possibilities are endless in terms of that. It's just amazing to me what, what can happen. And it's already started to happen. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. All I can say is a wow. Like I don't even know. I can't even believe it, what's happening right now. You know, it's, it's awesome. It is amazing. And do you have one particular interview that has stood out to you thus far? It has to be my first. Callie Himsel is somebody that I think is so open and accepting and such an amazing human. When I spoke with her and I said, Hey, I want to talk to you about your nonprofit. She didn't ask, oh, well, who are you? Or what are you doing? Or whatever. She was so accepting in the fact that, hey, this person wants to know about, about La Point Foundation. 
but then they also want to know about my journey. And I just, I felt an instant connection with her. And even to this day, I asked her for advice about how to do some things, how to go about some things. And, you know, and we, and we keep in contact and I just feel as if that episode really was something that kicked me off, you know, kicked my journey off because first of all, her stories is amazing. You know, she packed all of her stuff and sold everything in California and she moved to Haiti. And it's the things that she did in Haiti and what she's doing now. um, It's beautiful to hear about. She's just somebody that is so inspiring to me. She was like one of my first cheerleaders in a sense, you know, Mm -hmm. and you always have that person that knows what you're doing in terms of like entrepreneurship. I remember when I was talking to her and she was like, you're an entrepreneur. And I was like, what? Really? I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I don't have many entrepreneurs in my family. And I never thought that I was capable of doing something like this. And I felt as if that was somebody telling me, you got this, you can do it. I believe in you. And that kind of helped me in the beginning because, you know, there's a lot of Mm self-doubt. There's a lot of self-doubt that happens and you're like, can I actually do this? I definitely resonate with having that first cheerleader that continues to support you. My final question would sort of be another two-part question. What does global health mean to you and how are you integrating it in like your engineering job outside of your podcast? How you integrate global health in your life global health to me is really uplifting people who are not as privileged as you are by sustainable means in terms of how to give people health access who might not have health access and that could be all over the world it's not just low and middle income countries it's in the u.s too and i've learned throughout the podcast too that you know especially with like in maternal health care and midwifery, it's hard for women to even reach proper health care facilities in the U.S. Global health care is, is not just low and middle income countries, but a way to implement ideas and best practices to sustainably lift people out of poverty and bring them to the best health possible to give their families the best life and best future possible. It's so multifaceted, you know, global health is mental health, global health is emotional and and physical health. Global health is even building economies and businesses for people all around the world to be able to afford health access, to afford care. Unfortunately, it all starts with money, like how much money do you have? How can you lift people out of poverty so that they can sustainably afford care and food for their family and do that for their next generations to build a better future, better and better and better 
throughout generations to come out of that, to break that cycle of poverty. It's so interwoven. It's not just taking a few pills of vitamins a day. There's so many things that weave in and out within healthcare. Because just as you said, when we had our last conversation, you said a misconception of global health is that it's science. It's not just science. It's everything put together, so multifaceted. And that's why on my podcast, I don't just talk to people who are doing things that are specifically health-related. For example, I spoke with Bo Schmaltz with Seeds of Change, and they're empowering farmers in countries all around the world to help feed their families and help grow their economies and businesses. So it's not just health. In terms of your second part of the question, how I'm integrating global health into my job right now is really just trying to find the best opportunities within J&J because J&J is a a huge company. They're a, a big conglomerate and they're focused on health. I just try to find projects within J&J and integrate projects that I am working on outside of J&J. For example, like just fundraising on Caring Crowd, which is a crowdfunding, global health crowdfunding website that's powered by J&J. And so I use my connections within J&J to help fundraise for different initiatives that we're trying to implement within communities of Honduras. How do we get our the most bang for a buck? It's really implementing a global health mindset within every project that you do at work. How can we increase access with this one instrument or implant? Asking those questions to management and your directors and your vice presidents to be like, okay, we're making this one, say it's a nail for your femur. How can we make this accessible to communities that don't necessarily have the money to pay for this? Mm. You know? So I think a lot of times the implementation does not happen as soon as you want, but I think what is really important is to continuously and consistently talk to people about these things, you know, plant those seeds in people's minds to be like, Oh, Hethel said this a while ago. Maybe this is a way to do it. You know? And it's like, when you consistently tell people, how do we do this? How do we do that? And, and ask those questions eventually something will happen. Something will come out of it. That's what I like to do. I, I really just love to talk about, you know, I talk about my podcast with people. I try to promote that. <clears throat> I talk about the different projects that I'm working on within J&J and outside of J&J. For example, this new role that I'm coming into with sales, the hiring manager, he told me, I, I know that you're smart enough to do the job. What really caught my eye was the work that you're doing in global health, and that you have that type of mindset. And that's why I really want you on my team, because I think that you would make a really good advocate in terms of trying to start those conversations 
it would be great to like you know start conversations with the physicians that i'm working with and say hey how hard would it be to take this machine or this instrument to country x y and z and help patients with cardiac arrhythmias how hard would that be there's a constant integration that I'm trying to do, you know, and I think that J&J has been a huge help in terms of my journey because I came into J&J as an engineer and I learned about humanity and hope within J&J. And then from humanity and hope, I learned about Caring Crowd, which is the crowdfunding site at J&J. And I made connections with the co-founder of, of Caring Crowd then after that, I had that whole whirlwind of experiences going to and from Honduras. And I utilized just those connections to start building that roadmap of what I want to do for the future. And so I have champions within J&J who are seeing what I'm doing. There's one guy, he reached out to me and was like, I feel like I'm like fangirling right now. And I was like, what? Like, that's so crazy. And so he he was like, yeah, I've been following you since last year. And it's really cool to see your journey and your podcast now. And I was like, that is so inspiring to me that, like I said before, you don't know who's watching. Mm-hmm. And this person has been watching me and seeing me grow and is an advocate for me now, too, because he knows what my intentions are, and I'm not getting paid for this, you know? This is just what I want to do, and whatever leads up to next year, two years from now, it's just going to be like, I'm going to be so thankful for those people. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's just, it's just been awesome. There's a constant integration. I think that's what the core of Global Health is. It's finding those issues in the position that you are now, and and learning how you can do what you can with what you have. And right. That's all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much. I'm honored. This is my first interview on the podcast and I'm so excited. Um, I'm so honored to be you know, featured on your podcast and thank you for what you're doing too. I love it. Thank you. And that concludes my episode with Hethel. I loved our conversation and just everything that she talked about from being optimistic to just integrating global health anywhere that you can. I think that there are so many special takeaways for not only the field of global health, but also for just daily life. And I loved sitting down with her. And I hope you guys can enjoy this conversation and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.